Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm excited to have Sharon Maidenberg on as a guest. Sharon is the executive director of the Ernest and, Ernest and Sarah Butler, executive director and CEO of the Contemporary Austin, and it is a top one of the top um, art institutions in the United States. And they have a fantastic event that they host every fall. And it's really, they've made it, they've, it's been so successful, they've made a weekend out of it. Um, it will start with an art dinner, which is on the grounds of the beautiful Laguna Gloria, followed by more of a family event the next day called Very Rary. So we're excited to have um, Sharon on here to talk. And Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Contemporary Austin. So can you talk a little bit about what the mission of the organization is? I can, and I'd be thrilled to. Um, Our overall mission is really about inviting audiences to discover contemporary art in settings that provoke thought and joy. So we've got a suite of programs that bring art and place together in the pursuit of a deeper exchange and conversation and building closer community. That's fantastic. So, you know, talk a little bit about, because I know you, you moved, you kind of moved here during the pandemic. So, you know, talk a little bit about how you got involved with, with the contemporary and kind of, you know, the process of really kind of having to network at a time where you really weren't able to kind of do a lot of those things in person. Yeah, you know, I have uh, just celebrated officially three years here at the contemporary and in Austin. So when I reflect back on My first months uh, here, it was not an easy time. My family and I moved here from the Bay Area in uh, the late summer of 2020. So you'll remember that Austin was in stage five lockdown. I had been um, supervising the pandemic response from afar. And, you know, the museum was shut down, of course. And so it was uh, not an easy thing to navigate. But I will say just by way of my background, you know, I've, I'm a lifelong nonprofit person, and uh, my entire career has been dedicated to bringing contemporary art to uh, the community and to the cities in which I've lived uh, from day one. So that's a very big part of my personal belief system and ethos. And um, when I was offered the role here in Austin, I thought, what an amazing opportunity to be part of what I thought of as the premier contemporary art organization for Austin. Uh, during a time of interesting growth and change. And of course, that was uh, just before the pandemic landed. But of course, now in 2023, looking forward, Austin is in such a unique and exciting moment of its development, evolution, trajectory. And I really firmly believe that the contemporary arts and artists are such a key part of healthy, happy civic societies. And so just a really exciting time to be here. Um, I did land a bit fish out of water, you know, didn't know many people, uh, didn't really know much about the arts ecosystem here, had been in the San Francisco Bay Area arts ecosystem for over 20 years at that time. And so I really did take the approach of um, coming in with curiosity and an interest in really listening and learning and understanding what people had loved about the organization prior and what they saw as the potential opportunities for the organization moving forward. And so um, really kind of took my time taking it in, absorbing, listening, understanding, creating some sort of um, hypotheses, as I would call them, about what was possible, and then really having no choice but to weather the crisis mode of the pandemic and um, 
what I would call sort of doing the triage of that moment, really thinking about the wellness of the staff and our facilities being very much in response mode to the urgent needs of that moment. And then seeing the, again, kind of potential. Um, there seemed like there was so much pent up energy around art and making and creativity and spending time outdoors. So we opened the grounds at Laguna Gloria, our beautiful sculpture park first. That felt like a very safe and approachable way to reopen. And then slowly reopening the rest of the organization. Um, but it's really just been a very interesting uh, I guess I would say thought-provoking time to be at the helm of an arts organization. And um, again, a city that's changing so much right now. You know, it, it you know, I want to, you know, I'm glad you ended with, you know, the city changing and morphing. And I kind of want to actually ask you a little bit about, you know, you were involved and entrenched in one community for a really long period of time. What made you say yes and to make a move after, you know, that's a substantial period of time. So what, what was it about, you know, the contemporary Austin that really said, I have to do this and I have to make that move? It's a good question. I would say the choice was both professional and personal. Um, I saw a tremendous opportunity around the contemporary, you know, for those who are listening and don't know the history, the organization is both young and old, as I like to think about it. It had uh, previous iterations as other organizations. And then uh, most recently, an organization named Art House and an organization named the Austin Museum of Art merged now about 10 years ago. And so both of those organizations had tremendous history and really stellar programs and a lot of support around them, but they were very, very different. And when the Contemporary was created, it really did a tremendous job of bringing a lot of incredible art and artists to Austin. But I also saw a lot of opportunity to really build and grow on that history and take it to the next level. So I'm someone who really likes a challenge. I'm someone who likes to really leave my mark on something. And I'm also someone who loves to work with um, what's already there and help it kind of grow. And so all of those things really spoke to me as someone who had been an executive director at my previous organization for almost 12 years. My time there had started to feel like I had done all the good work I could do. And I wanted to take on my next kind of challenge. And then on the personal front, um, I had always heard about how incredible Austin was. I hadn't spent a ton of time here, but the time I had spent here was incredibly um, hospitable and warm and creative. And it felt like there was just an enthusiasm for trying new things here that really seemed like, again, it kind of mirrored that potential that I look for in any opportunity. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a crescendo of timing and opportunity and, uh, something that felt like there was just a, a sort of spirit of, uh, potential around it. That's great. And, you know, it, you know, I love how you, you know, how you explain that and just, you know, I love that you, you know, you, you bet on yourself and you took the risk. You realized that you had done all you had achieved after a really long period of time at another organization and went, you know, went forward and boldly did that, you know, in the middle of a pandemic when, you know, and you did it in 2020 that a lot of people were moving around in 2021, <laughs> but in 2020 people were kind of anchored. So, you know, I'd love to know, you know, after, you know, coming to the San Francisco market, which I'm sure has a very different personality from the Austin market, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to engage and fundraise in a new city? It's a great question. And to be honest, you know, I'm still finding my way having been here three years, you know, more than half of that time period during a very awkward kind of wonky time. You know, I would say my primary belief is that, um, 
Fundraising is a long game. It's about relationships. It's about building trust and alignment around values. And so, you know, we will take all forms of fundraising. I think, you know, I, I know we'll talk a little bit more about Art Dinner and Very Rary. Events are such a wonderful way of bringing people together around a shared mission or a vision or a, or a value. At the end of the day, though, they are um, tools. You know, they're, they're specific mechanisms within a much larger operation of fundraising. So I always tell people to number one, I, I encourage people to give to something, you know, when I meet people all out and about, I will always tell them, you know, you don't have to give to the organization I'm a part of, but give to something you care about. I really do believe that we are all part of a bigger sort of ecosystem. And um, every one of us has the capacity to be generous in whatever size gift that means to you. Um, that's something that we really talk a lot about in our family. It's something I try to instill in my child. I just think that we are all in a position to give something that will make a difference to something. Um, so that's kind of an ethos that's personal for me. And also when I talk about philanthropy, you know, I always encourage people to really think about what's a stretch in their own life. And again, the size of the gift really depends, of course, on one's capacity and socioeconomic bracket, but everyone can do something that's meaningful for them. Um, I encourage people to really lean into what they're passionate about and what really speaks to them as the space of impact that they're looking to have. The arts, of course, are my selected uh, component of the philanthropic sector. I think sometimes within the arts, people think of it as a luxury or a nice to have. There are, of course, so many things that warrant and are deserving of people's generosity. Um, but I'm a firm believer that the arts are not optional in a healthy society, that they're critical. And that has been sort of my choice of area of focus. And um, and I really believe that the arts can transform people's lives and are incredibly significant to an evolving, growing city. So I will, I will go to the mats for the evolution and support of cultural institutions. I think just back to your point about Austin, it's at such an interesting moment in its own growth and trajectory right now. And I really believe that the people who call it home, even partially, uh, should really be thinking about investing in its larger institutions as the city evolves and grows. Um, yeah. I think historically Austin was pretty rooted in the university and you know that's no longer the case. So now as a city that has a tremendous amount of nonprofits here, I believe that individuals have to be part of the solution to sustaining the kind of city that they wanna be living in. And they obviously wanna be living here because they chose to come here. Absolutely. And I love how, you know, you talked about, you know, you, the arts is really something I can tell you're really passionate about. Where did that passion originate and come from that you were like, I'm going to make my life out of really being an advocate for this medium when there's so many other, not just nonprofit mediums, but even artistic mediums, you know, what about contemporary art and art in general really drives your passion? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and forgive me, because I can nerd out about this a little bit. So I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, I'll try to keep it pithy. You know, my personal belief is that artists, contemporary art really functions as a reflection of the times in which we live. And so I think of seeing art or experiencing art, whatever medium it is that's produced by current makers, sort of like reading the newspaper. You know, I think of it as a form of storytelling, truth telling, uh, empathy building. So for me, I learn a lot about other people's experiences by engaging with the art that they produce, whether it's, you know, the written word performed, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, 
film video based work. I think um, the fact that artists are making work today in response to their lived experience is a way for us to really connect as a, a, a human kind of condition. And that for me is just a really, really powerful component of civilization. You know, time comes and goes, but the artifacts that people leave behind is the residue of their experience in the world. And um, and that's to me a, a really powerful way for, for people to connect and feel part of something bigger, perhaps. Um, so anyway, I can talk for a long time about the importance of art and artists. And I really do believe that it is one of the most essential components of uh, a well-heeled uh, society. It is. And I love how you explained how it is kind of reflective of a time and a frame. And really, all art at one point or another is contemporary, if, you know, in that definition. Anything in the late 1800s with whatever artists were really popular in that era, that was contemporary for its time. So I love how you talk about how it really is a reflection. It's almost like looking at certain aspects of you in a mirror or certain aspects of society in a mirror. And I love, I'd never heard it explained that way before, but that makes absolute and total sense. So hmm. I really yeah. appreciate you sharing, you know, sharing that. And, you know, while we're on the subject of art, you know, we're here to talk about, you know, the upcoming art dinner. And it is really, it, it's one of those very few evenings if you're fortunate enough to ever, ever experienced it. It is, you know, we're going to start by talking about one reason why it's magical and to me is that it's held al fresco on the grounds of laguna gloria which is just it's anyone who hasn't been to it it is a hidden gem you will not believe that it is five or ten minutes from downtown from a you know the 10th largest city in the united states i can't believe i'm saying that now so it really is a magical place so talk about what's a piece of advice you know talk about you know holding a dinner al fresco and a piece of advice you would give to someone <laughs> looking to do that hold a gala or signature event outdoors? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, there are so many logistics around holding a large outdoor event. Um, and, you know, it is one of the things we are all succumbing to is the reality of weather and the elements. We are very intentional around uh, targeting the late fall here, which is such a beautiful time of year to be outside. The grounds of Laguna Gloria could not be more spectacular at the end of October. But of course, you always have to be a little anxious about rain and uh, and have uh, contingency plans in place. Um, and depending on your risk tolerance, you know, what we've done in past is either have a rain plan for the actual outdoor event or gone as far as having a contingency plan where we'll have a backup indoor venue secured in the case we actually need to pivot. Um, that said, that is my absolute last option on the list. There's something, as you say, so spectacular about doing this event on the grounds of Laguna Gloria, under the big, beautiful sky, right on the lake. And it's just such a spectacular event. I think um, our creativity and our artfulness are felt throughout every nuance of that event. It's really something that we try to weave into every component of how that event is planned, organized from the beginning, from the, you know, save the date all the way through the graphics, the collateral, the look and feel. One thing we're very proud of is that the event is sort of rebirthed every year to really wow and surprise and delight our guests at the event. So no, our dinner has ever looked or felt the same, even though the consistent thread, of course, is that it is outside on the grounds of Laguna. Everything else about it really does 
get reimagined year to year so that we will continue to bring that sense of uh, delight and wonder and, and surprise elements. And uh, last year's art dinner was just absolutely spectacular in its visual look and feel. This year promises to be the same, but very, very different than it was last year. You know, and one thing, you know, there's always two ways that I am never surprised when I when I'm fortunate enough to go to this. And that one is, is that it is the one one of the very few events I go to in Texas where I can honestly say I am never surprised to see a person there. I may have never <laughs> seen a person before because sometimes you'll go to something and be like, I never knew this person would have done that. But the contemporary, there's just something about that space where anyone that comes in, it's like, yeah, I can see that. Like, and but I'm always wowed at the range of people that you have. And second, the one thing I felt last year was really magical was you had it in a different space on the grounds than you had ever had it before. And it really allowed, so like in anyone who's ever been to Laguna Glory, it's a multi-tiered outdoor space. So it was kind of, you know, you had to go down a thing of stairs and a band let everyone down there. Like you really made a moment out of something that hadn't been done before so that everyone paid attention. And it really, you felt that collective communal love you know, when the band played and everyone kind of followed them on the way down. Well, it was, um, thank you. It was very intentional. And again, every element of the event itself is so carefully thought of. We want intentionality to be felt throughout the whole event and artfulness, you know, infusing artists, performers, live music into every event we do. Not, not necessarily purely as kind of quote unquote entertainment, but actually as an experiential component of the event. So uh, having a you know live, very large scale marching band uh, take you down through the grounds was very much designed to be kind of an epic moment. The other thing last year that was spectacular was uh, we were inaugurating a new ramp for the ground. So accessibility is something that I'm very passionate about. And we had just built a new ramp that could for the first time ever take someone who's in a wheelchair or uh, requires a stroller or other forms of special needs to get down to the lower grounds, which is where the lake is, of course. So we were very proud to highlight that element, which is part of why we took people down for the first time. It was really fun. It really was a magical, you know, a magical journey to get down there. And, you know, you talked about, you know, obviously one big thing about the art dinner is obviously the, you know, the spectacular art that you have. One thing that I really appreciate about you, and I'm not really aware of any other organization in Texas that does do it. If I'm wrong, I apologize out there, but the contemporary is the only one I know that really does it and makes makes it known is that you donate a portion of the proceeds from the live auction go directly back to the artists themselves. You know, and that's really a great form of innovation that really it allows things to continue to be next level for you all. How yeah, does that no, thanks for uh, mentioning that? Absolutely. So how does that help facilitate goodwill between the artist and the donors and the contemporary? Yeah, well, it's exactly that. You know, I think um, fundraising, again, it's a long game and it takes a lot of different people with different roles to play in order to reach our goals. And, you know, most obviously, as the contemporary Austin, we are here to support artists. And that's something that we care very deeply about treating the artists that we work with um, fairly, making sure artists get compensated for their labor. That's something that's very important to us. And, um, you know, probably a bit more pragmatically to continue to run this event year over year, to continue to really um, attract top-notch museum quality artists to participate and um, have their work part of our auction. 
you know, it, they have to be, be both incentivized and acknowledged for their generosity. And so giving a percentage of the sale back is actually a win-win-win. The artists feel seen and acknowledged and valued. They're making some income on any of the sales that happen. The galleries are more likely to want to participate because they understand that we are not asking the artists to take a financial hit by participating. The collectors in the room understand the importance of making sure that the artists are being compensated. And while the contemporary in the immediate might make a little bit less money than it would had it not given that percentage back, we will benefit in the long run from having more artists, more gallerists, more collectors feel good about this event and feel good about how their dollars are being put back into the pockets of artists directly. That's really great. You know, I, I want to delve a little bit more into the auction and, you know, the auction this year specifically, you know, it, one thing that you all have always done really well is you, one, you start with a preview party, but two, you know, and this has really gotten in the focus for people coming out of COVID, you know, you also, you partner with Artsy and you've got, you know, the online, the online component with that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe previewing a couple of the artists that may be on display this year, along with, you know, how, over the last few years, you know, how an auction is done has changed and shifted? Yeah, it's a great question. And for better or for worse, I have been running nonprofit uh, auctions for longer than I'd like to admit here today. So I have a lot of experience with thinking about benefit auctions, specifically in working with artists and uh, their art. And what we've really done is refined a model here where through Artsy, which is an amazing partnership for us, we are able to sell work directly to folks far beyond those who are able to attend the gala. So anyone who clicks through can bid. And that bidding window is open for about two weeks before the actual art dinner event itself. And so trying to really build momentum, but also access and broaden the collector base Anyone who is interested in the work is able to go on and start bidding. And then the bidding actually goes through the gala evening itself. And then until the following business day, which will be Monday morning. Uh, so we have both a live auction and a silent auction. And the live auction, of course, will sell at the, the night of from the stage with our auctioneer partner um, from uh, Sotheby's. And they will come and actually run the live auction for us. But the silent works are all available on Artsy until uh, the Monday following. And it's just been a very successful approach to both enabling our uh, visitors and those who want to support a longer window to participate, to view the work. As you mentioned, we have an actual preview. Um, aside from the online preview, we do have the work installed by our professional art handlers. So the work is pristinely installed like an exhibition or like a museum show. And anyone who'd like to come and view the work uh, and place a bid is welcome to do so at Laguna Gloria the week before the event. That's then, really great, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, continue. No, I was just gonna say, you know, really thinking through all sides of it around making it both accessible and also very um, high touch. You know, I think that's the other part of not just auctions and events, but fundraising in general is really thinking through every element of something carefully and thoughtfully and making it as easy as possible for people to support us and frankly, to feel great about their support for us. Yeah, I love how you explain that. And I'm, I, I want to deep dive into this just a little bit more because you're explaining it just in a very succinct, but also a very accessible way. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what pieces wind up in a silent auction versus a live auction? Because it's not 
by dollar amount. And that's always the interesting thing is you'll see silent auction items that are some are more expensive than some of the live auction items. So talk a little bit about how, you know, the organization goes about curating, you know, what goes into which, which auction. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot. And I will say this is a little <laughs> bit more um, art than science or maybe a hybrid of the two. Yeah. And again, my years of doing this for better or for worse, you know, one of the things that really drives how I think about it is which what will help each of these works go to the very best home? Some of the works, you know, big named artists, high price point, there's no doubt in my mind that it will find its right home through the silent auction. So it might not need to be on the stage. Whereas conversely, something that's maybe a lower price point by an up and coming artist, and people might need a little more help to understand what they're looking at, even though it's not the most expensive ticket in the room, I might put that in the live so that we can actually uh, engage in a little bit more discussion. The auctioneer has a little bit more time with their audience, and we can actually uh, increase the potential bidding on something by having it go from the stage. Now, I, I like to always have a element of surprise in the live auction too, something that folks, the, the kind of sleeper sensation, if you will, something that someone might not have expected in the live auction, but actually get some momentum from the stage. And so it is a little bit of a carefully curated set. I also have a rule for our event in particular about a number of lots that we want to have go from the stage. Nothing is worse than feeling like, oh my God, when's this going to end? You know, <laughs> I need the auctioneer to stop talking. I just want to talk to my friends. So I'm I'm very mindful of the guest experience. And while we are absolutely there to raise as much money as we can, we're also there to ensure that our donors and supporters are having a wonderful time. And so always a balance, right? We will have, uh, and still finalizing the details because I've still got about six weeks here to plan for it. Um, but we'll have approximately seven items from the live auction on the night of, and then approximately between 15 and 20 in the silent lots, which again, will be viewable in the galleries and online. And then folks have the option to bid um, through the silent auction on Artsy. Yeah, I mean, that's all, you know, I love how I love how one, how you've curated that because some auctions can have lots of lots of pieces. I love that you've got, you know, about 20 to 25 so that it's, you know, people can kind of zero in on one instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I want to buy I want to buy five. So I really love that you, you know, that you do that. And, you know, an auction, if anyone's never experienced an art auction, it really is kind of something to behold. There is suspense. There is drama there. There is all those things that really makes it kind of really fun to just kind of watch and witness. And, you know, I want to kind of pivot from the, you know, from the art dinner to, you know, what you all do the next day. So believe it or not, people, basically the gala ends, you know, late evening, sometimes even at midnight, you know, by the time everyone leaves. And the very next day, you all turn around and kind of do a completely different style of an event that, that appeals to broader aspects of the community. You know, talk a little bit about this event. It's called Very Rary and how you're all able to do that turnaround so quickly. Yeah, we, we are a little bit nutty, I will admit to that. It is uh, no small lift for the production team and for the staff. And, um, you know, this is our second year of doing that. So full disclosure, we are still deciding if we're, have, have we gone completely mad or just partially mad in doing this? <laughs> However, I will say um, one of the things that's incredibly special about it is a full weekend of nonstop contemporary extravaganza, as I like to think of it. So as you've indicated, the art dinner is so special and so pristine and frankly, 
pretty exclusive. You know, it sells out every year. It's really only designed for a certain number of people. And yet the contemporaries offerings are so vast and there are so many different kinds of programs that we offer here. And we really felt like um, it could be additive to have something that was family friendly and fun and casual and sort of over the top in a playful way. We're already in deep event mode that weekend. We've already got rentals everywhere and tents and, you know, bars set up and all of this. So there's a little bit of an economy of scale in repurposing some of that setup for another event the following day. Um, and also really becoming um, as welcoming and inclusive as possible. A lot of the folks who will be here on the Saturday night, you know, they've got sitters or they've got pet watchers or, you know, they're all decked out. And there's something really fun about rolling in the next day with your kiddos or with your pets or with the aunt and uncle or grandma and grandpa and just relaxing and having, you know, a fun drink, cocktail, mocktail, whatever your preference and uh, engaging in art making activities all of the proceeds from the very, very go toward supporting our education offerings, which are really much more robust than I think a lot of people know about. And all of the work we do with um, school age kids, with educators, teachers, with art teachers, with Title I schools, it's a big, big lift for our team. And we really wanted a way, a way to um, highlight and promote and bring more awareness to those incredible offerings. And so the very rare is really designed to do that. If you come on that Sunday afternoon, you get a little glimpse into what it's like to be a kind of delighted kiddo looking at art, making art, getting dirty, kind of getting your hands dirty. And um, we just felt like it was a great compliment to the art dinner. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you talked about, you know, the museum's programs, because I think, you know, one thing, one thing that I notice is a lot of people will get involved in stuff because their children may be interested in, you know, interested in that particular aspect. And with the arts, that's something that a child tends to kind of see through, you know, for year after year after year, and it really becomes a passion for them. So I think it's so smart on your end to really, it allows, you know, people to either get more deeply involved if they have gone to the dinner, like you said, or it may just be people that want to check it out because, you know, a ch you know, a child's um, friend's parents went, and they're going as, you know, their, their add-on. So it really allows, you know, for wide ranging aspects of the community from title one to people that may be involved in the next year's art dinner to really all kind of come together and really get that uniquely eclectic Austin feel. Yeah, that's right. We have also um, really had a, a broad reach. The very, very committee is a large group of people who are very committed, like you say, to the idea of the arts playing a deeper role in education, in their children's life, and their family life. Um, we've had a lot of corporate sponsors get enthusiastic about that. So I think there's also the, the relevance piece. You know, not everyone who believes in and values the arts is going to necessarily be an art collector. And I think there is space for both and for all. And so really opening it up and um, creating more entry points for people who might want to support or get involved in an institution that is bringing arts and culture to Austin. Uh, my goal as a, a fundraiser and a leader and a sort of inviter, as I see uh, as part of my larger role, is to create enough entry points where anyone who's interested in getting involved and at any level is welcome to do so in ways that are appropriate for them and their family. Absolutely. And I love how you explain that, because even like with the art dinner, you know, you've only got seven items. So it's not like, you know, if you've got, you know, 300 people there, 
you know, only seven people are going to walk away with art. So that probably means you want a little bit of people who may not be avid art collectors, but really believe in the museum. One, it gives a little bit more diversity and, ter and range in terms of the types of people at the party. But two, you know, it, it allows it to kind of, it allows it to be good natured bidding <laughs> as yeah, opposed to right. 300 deadly serious art collectors <laughs> all going for seven items that, that that may get to be a little much so i love oh, how i do you love the that. the competitive energy uh, at a good auction <laughs> and uh, my very favorite is when there are bidders on the telephone and then you've got someone bidding from across the world and someone in the room and you know from my point of view that is the one night where I'm shameless and, you know, <laughs> we're looking for the biggest dollars we can find. So um, I'm not above pinning people against each other for that uh, fabulous art item. And I will say we also have a, a paddles up, which, of course, if you're not trying to take home a piece of art, but you do want to support, that's another way for people to have their dollars go directly towards supporting the mission. That sounds fantastic. And, you know, you've given us such a wealth of knowledge. I want to end with one question. And I think you're the perfect person to ask this because you do two very different events within 24 hours. So bravo. Um, what is one thing all successful events for fundraising have in common? Hmm, that is a great one thing. Oh, that's tough. I guess I would say exceed their goal. <laughs> I love that answer. And, you know, you may have only lived in um, Texas for three years, but that is such an answer a Texan would give. So I love it. <laughs> well, off the cuff, that's the best I got. And I, I will say, you know, I love events. I love getting people together. I love all of the nuances of it. But you have to know what you're trying to achieve. At the end of the day, this is about fundraising and, uh, you know, raising the dollars we need to fulfill our mission. And so exceeding your goal that night or that day is really one of the, the best things a, a good fundraising event can do. Well, that's fantastic. And Sharon, congratulations in advance. I know it's going to be an absolutely wonderful, wonderful weekend. So, um, you know, congrats in advance. And, you know, we look forward to seeing and hearing all about it after the fact. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me and inviting me on here. It's been fun to talk with you about it. Absolutely. And the Contemporary Austin's Art Dinner 2023 will be held on October 28th, 2023. And Very Rary will be held on October 29th, 2023. Both events will be held at Laguna Gloria in Austin, Texas. For more information, please visit thecontemporaryaustin.org. And that will do it for this week's episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>